the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. 20 KDOW. A division of Salem Communications. On the NASDAQ at SALM. For CNBC. Welcome into Rob Black and Your Money. I am your host today, Chad Burton, Certified Financial Planner. That means you can get your calls on the air and ask any money question. As a certified financial planner, I can deal with taxes, insurance, retirement planning, estate planning, investing. I'll take any money question besides individual stock, buy, hold, or sell. Save that for Rob when he returns tomorrow. And speaking of Rob, tonight Rob and I are going to be at the Toll House Hotel in Los Gatos. We're doing an event called Wealth Preservation and Retirement Planning. Rob's going to give you some uh, market updates, talk about some of the sectors that he likes, things like that. And I'm going to walk you through exactly how you set up your portfolio, how you draw from it, how you figure out how much you need, when you rebalance, when you pull the gains. That's a big one. You know what? Timing the market when you're in your 20s, 30s, 40s, it it doesn't matter. It does not matter. Nobody can time the market perfectly. But when you're retired and you're pulling from your portfolio, timing is everything because you have to have enough market cushion to get through bad times and good times. What are some of the bad times? Well, the market's only corrected or been negative three years in a row twice, once right after the Great Depression and 2000, 2001, and 2002. You've got to have enough money to get through those periods of time. Well, what about peak to trough, right? It took from 2000 to 2007 for the S&P 500 to recover. So what are you doing for those longer-term time frames when it takes a while for the market to recover? The market's positive seven out of ten years. What are you doing the three out of ten years? Are you getting head faked into a rally right now where you feel like you should have all your cash at work? Or do you get head faked into cashing out? I tell you what, I've run into a lot of people that thought they were super smart cashing out 100% 2008, and they have lost a significant amount of money at that, now at this point in time. Even though the last 10 years, the balance portfolio has averaged over 6%. So I've never met somebody that can time the market perfectly. Let's talk a little bit about some of the current market news today. And if you want to get your calls in there, 800-516-1220. That's 800-516-1220. By the way, if you want tickets, free tickets to the event that I'm doing with Rob Black tonight from 6 to 9 p.m. Toll House Hotel, Los Gatos, just shoot me an email, chad at chadburton.com. That's chad at chadburton.com, and I'll put you on the list for free. So today the biggest issue is we're going to have light volume until the FUD policy statement's released. It's going to be released at 9.30 Pacific Standard Time. So, half an hour after I get off the air. Expectations leans towards the announcement of third round of quantitative easing. And it's going to be known as QE3, potentially. Now, market reaction to the announcement and the press conference that uh, good old Ben will have at 11.15 our time, it could be a volatile day. It's going to be hinging on every word that he says. So he could be just as simple as, 
we're going to keep interest rates low through 2015 instead of 2014. He could say that we're going to aggressively attack mortgage-backed securities and buy those, keep the prices up, the interest rates down. It's an inverse relationship. So if the Fed starts buying more bonds, that increases the price of the bonds, which brings interest rates down. Does the market really want this? Okay, look, we need to keep some arrows in the quiver, in the monetary quiver, right? We need to. We don't have much left that the Fed can really, really do. The Fed has increased the size of their balance sheet by in drastic amounts. We have a huge amount of debt in this country, $16 trillion of debt. To continue to print money to buy our own bonds, don't like it. What this is now is a fiscal issue. We have a looming fiscal tax cliff that could put us into a recession after the first of the year. Corporate earnings, they look great, but revenues have been lackluster to say the least. So there's still some issues going to the end of the year. Now, there's little hope that the QE3 would provide much of a boost to the U.S. economy at this point. Will it provide a boost to the stock market and a bond market? Probably. That's been the trend so far. All of these trends of rallies have not been on companies increasing revenue. It's been on government intervention. And global economic trends continue to worsen a bit. Now, according to Briefing.com, the Organization for Economic Development released its leading indicators for major economies and almost all point downward. The indicators for the U.S., the Eurozone, Japan, and Russia all fell. Italy fell sharply. China and India were flat. Brazil and the U.K. were up. Overall, the data wasn't a disaster, but... Economic trend signal, a uh, prolonged kind of global sideways movement. And this is, you know, just because the European Central Bank is just going to continue to buy two-year Italian notes, it's, it's not going to – they need a longer-term solution to the problem. Now, they are working that way. They are working that way. I'll talk about what Germany did yesterday in a second. But new unemployment claims for the week ended September 8th rose to 382,000 from a revised uh, 367,000 the prior week. So that puts a four-week moving average at 375,000 unemployment claims. So the trend is mostly higher over the last couple of months. So that is the big push on why people think that Ben Bernanke is going to discuss QE3 because the last time he talked, he said if the job numbers do not improve, that he will. So now he's put himself in a position where a lot is hinging on what he's going to say today at 9.30 our time. August producer price index rose 1.7% as energy prices jumped 6.4%. So here is the, the – what is the long-term effects – of the quantitative easing, the printing of money to boost the economy. Energy prices is one of them. You've got to understand that commodity prices, most of them are priced in terms of dollars. So if the dollar falls, commodity prices can rise. Now, recently in the last, what, 18 months or so, because of the Eurozone problems, the dollar has actually reversed course and gone up. But if they fix the problem overseas, that trend won't continue because of our debt, our how much we're spending versus our GDP and the long-term outlooks of the, the credit of the United States. So it makes you know investing in energy a pretty attractive situation. But what it does is it causes inflation. So producer price indexes, people that produce the goods in the country, are they dealing with inflation? 
So the core rate in PPI, excluding food and energy, at 0.2%. So inflation is pretty modest despite energy. So that could be one of the longer-term issues. Now, yesterday, Germany's federal constitutional court ruled that Chancellor Angela Merkel can sign a bill into law that will create a mechanism to support the common currency. The court attached some restrictions, though. Germany can only provide the agreed sum of $240 billion without parliamentary approval. So it really allows the Eurozone to create the European stability mechanism that has been kind of put in place for a while but waiting for a German vote. So this was a big week. This is a big week. The Germany thing went okay. Now we're all waiting for Ben Bernanke and what he's going to say. And that's, that European stability mechanism is an important step towards bolstering the faltering economies in Spain, Portugal, Italy, and Greece. And I, I tell you what, you've got to look at it. If they get a turnaround story over there, you look at the international indexes, which are all trading at a poor P, you know, forward-looking P-E ratio of, you know, like if you look at EFA, EFA, which is an ETF that invests internationally. And by the way, I like managed funds for international. But I'll go over the kind of the basic fundamentals and the yields on U.S. versus international. Coming back after the break, we'll take a quick break. We'll be right back, 800-516-1220. You're listening to Rob Black and Your Money on AM 1220 KDOW. Welcome into Rob Black and Your Money. I'm your host today, Chad Burton, certified financial planner, the CFP, training taxes, insurance, retirement planning, estate planning, investing, any money questions, fair game. If you want to call the show, 800-516-1220. That's 800-516-1220. And I will be in Los Gatos at the Tollhouse Hotel with Rob Black tonight talking all things retirement and wealth management on how to set up your portfolios in retirement, which accounts to draw from first, how to figure out if you have enough, all of the issues you deal with in retirement that you might not be thinking about, including like health care expenses, things like that. So if you want to sign up, you can sign up at chadburton.com or robblack.com. But if you want to get in for free, you can email me, say you're listening, chad at chadburton.com. That's chad at chadburton.com. And speaking of Mr. Rob Black, we've got him on the line with us right now. And Rob, I want to get your thoughts on uh, iPhone 5. It's the biggest, probably, news story of the week besides Bernanke talking today and besides the German vote is the iPhone 5. Give me your thoughts on it. If I were to give you some quick fundies, um, stock was growing at, or company was growing earnings at revenue at 25%. That's going to slow to 18% this year, down to 13% next year. Most analysts see the reviews as amazing, whether it's the passbook feature or the reservations feature. Um, thinner, bigger, faster, considerably faster. I see analysts today, um, FBR Capital, $725 target. Um, most of the p- notes are very, very positive, but analysts are getting a little bit more tempered. It doesn't seem so crazy now to say 660 up to 725 as it did at 400 up to 725. So I own shares of the company. I'm excited about the launch. It's going to be in 100 markets by December. I can't say more positive than that. It, now this talks to seeing something somewhere this morning of you know possibly inking deals by 2013 with China Mobile as well. So the, your thoughts on how well they can do overseas on being more on the expensive end of handsets versus something like Samsung? 
Well, AT&T and Verizon pay massive subsidies, two to $400 every time they sell a phone. If you sign a long-term contract, they give that to Apple. China Telecom, China Mobile have kind of pushed back on that. So it's not quite as easy. It's not quite the opportunity. What Apple needs to do is build that indefensible or that defensible moat around themselves that no one can get in, the ecosystem. Once you have the music, it's in the cloud. It's in your phone. It's in your TV. It's in your tablet. It's on your PC. Um, that's what they need to do. Gotcha. Now, 56 million units just by the end of this year potentially being sold. That's the talk. It's what the September 21st is the release. How do you think that will affect the earnings of AT&T and Verizon as they're subsidizing these devices until what, next year? Right. As Mr. T said in Rocky Three, short-term pain, long-term gain. Right. Um, because those subsidies up front hurt. It hurts. They're spending as much on subsidies as they are on new equipment, capital expenditures. But I like both those companies for the big fat dividends. Um, and, you know, again, it, Apple's going to face another issue. Every shareholder has basically made money in it. At the end of the year, capital gains taxes are going to go higher, sometimes uh, probably by 5% from 15 to 20, maybe as high as 8.8%. 8. 8%, uh, if you count in the Obama health care tax to uh, capital gains on wealthy earners. Right, yeah, you get the 3.8% surcharge tax. So a lot of people will towards the end of the year if it doesn't look like the fiscal tax cliff is is going to be solved, really upgrade their, their their cost base. I've been telling people on the air you know, for quite a while now, if you know you have to sell something in the next 12 months in order to live off of it or create the cash, you know what capital gains taxes are now. You know the market's high. And a lot of people are going to be thinking along those lines, especially for ESPPs and, and other you know, stocks that they've owned for a while that are going to qualify for the capital gains rate. And I own shares of Apple, but let me say there's better income stocks and there's probably better growth stocks after they get this final move out of their system. Yeah, and a lot of people own Apple that they, they, they don't even know it. If you own the Qs, if you own XLK, which is a technology ETF that I own, it's it's over 20% Apple now. Looks like I could say goodbye to you because I see a caller on the air. All right. Thanks, Rob. I'll see you tonight, 6 o'clock, Los Gatos at the Toll House Hotel. Let's go to the phones. we got Don on the line from Don, Dublin. How are you doing, Don? I'm doing fine. How are you? Good. What's your question? My question is, can you give me a quick education in mortgage REITs or M REITs they're called? I'll take my call off the air. Thank you. Yeah, you bet. There's there's several different types of REITs that are out there. Um, a REIT is Real Estate Investment Trust, and the way that those are formed, they have to pass on 90% of their net income to the investor to qualify for the REIT, and REITs get basically a lower corporate tax. So you get a higher dividend through a REIT typically. Now, I would say that uh, dividends historically on the average REIT like RWR is at historical lows down at 2.84%. Uh, REITs had pretty much outperformed the S&P 500 for the year. Um, so I actually took some gains off the table on the REITs that I own. I still own a little bit, but I'm at a historical low in the level of REITs that I own at this point in time. Basically, a mortgage-backed REIT. So you have some REITs that invest in strip malls, some that invest in office properties, others that go out and deal with the world of mortgages and investing in mortgages. Now, because you're typically investing in mortgages or buying mortgages that might be you know, aggressive, they might be at a higher yield range. 
you're going to have a little bit more volatility and you're going to have a lot of interest rate sensitivity. So in terms of REIT, you know, you really want to find a good REIT manager because you want different types of REITs. Like you'd want some apartment REITs based on the growing population issues and the fact that a lot of people can't afford to get into a home and get that down payment because of the job market. Um, you want some mortgage-backed REITs or some mortgage REITs. Um, and there are certain office REITs that look good, but I will say that if you're going to take a position in REITs, do it over time at this point because they are, like I said, the yields are at historical low. We've been, been in a situation where people are chasing yield. The whole story this year, and which I've been talking about with Rob for several years on the radio, has been dividends. And now that's what the entire market, every, every day on CNBC or Bloomberg, you're hearing the term dividend this, dividend that. Also, where should you hold REITs? Well, if you're retired and you need income, it's fine to hold it in the taxable account. But if you're younger and you're trying to add your exposure to REITs and accumulate it, do it in your retirement accounts because that way the dividends that you get paid on your REITs are going to be deferred until you, just, you finally take that as income. So it's a much more tax-efficient way to do that. Want to get your calls in there? 800-516-1220. That's 800-516-1220. I was talking to before about uh, you know international indexes and some of the fundamentals that are out there. So if you look at the EFA ETF, that's the EFA ETF, you've got a dividend yield of 3.33 percent and a forward-looking PE, price to earnings, of 11.44. That means that on average, stocks are trading at 11.44 times earnings. S&P 500, which is obviously outperformed. Forward-looking P.E. ratio is now 14, and the dividend yield is 1.98%. So the long story here is, is do not shy away from international stocks. If you own less than 15% of your portfolio, start accumulating, because I think if you look at life with the glass half full, that eventually they'll have to deal with their debt problems. There's a lot of companies that are oversold over there. We'll talk more about it after the break. Get your calls in the air, 800-516-1220. We'll be right back. Have you still not refinanced your mortgage? Well, soon you might be kicking yourself in the head. I've never seen... You're listening to Rob Black and Your Money on AM 1220 KDOW. Welcome into Rob Black and Your Money. I'm your host today, Chad Burton, Certified Financial Planner. I will be with Rob tonight, though, in Los Gatos at the Toll House Hotel talking all things wealth management and retirement planning. It's really a retirement planning boot camp. If you're you know, within 10 years from living off of your wealth or you're in retirement, you're trying to figure out what to do with your portfolio, and, and it's a tough time because you know what, what part of this quantitative easing has done is it, it's, it's pushed bonds up and yields way down, so seniors' savings accounts are earning zero. People's bond funds are earning half of what they did 10 years ago in terms of yield, and it's it's tough times. So you got to look at alternatives out there. Some bond alternatives. You got to the stock market's volatile on a quarterly basis. You got to make sure you're peeling your gains to replenish your cash at the right time. We talk all about that. If you want to get into the event for free, you can either sign up and pay at robblack.com or chadburn.com. But if you want to get in for free. If you're listening to the show, just email me. Tell me you're listening. I'll put you on the list for free. Chad at chadburton.com. 
Now, we were talking a little bit about mortgage REITs before the break, and I just want to point out, if you're ever trying to figure out what something is and what an investment term means, use Investopedia. Investopedia.com, you can get lots of good information on just basic definitions, and then they point you to articles. For example, at Investopedia.com, and I can send you the link if you want to email me, it says five types of REITs and how to invest in them. and explains what a REIT is, Real Estate Investment Trust. Now, on a historical average, you typically want, you know, based on modern portfolio theory, somewhere between you know, 5 to 10% in REITs. I'm lower than that right now because interest rate, the, the seek for dividends has pushed REITs to a high. Once they hit about 15% for the year, I peeled half of my REIT exposure off the table. Now, I will say, based on what Ben Bernanke says today in terms of quantitative easing, if they really aggressively go after mortgage-backed securities, mortgage REITs will look more attractive because inside of a mortgage REIT, they have to invest 75% of the assets in Mortgage-backed securities that have to do with real estate to keep that REIT status. That allows the REITs to not pay corporate tax as long as they put 75% of their investments in real estate type of assets and pass 90% of the dividend or of the net income rather to the investor. So again, accumulate these things because I think they are pushed up to a to a high because of that chase for yield out there. If you want to get your calls in there, 800-516-1220. That's 800. 800- Five one six twelve twenty. Let's go to the phones right now. We got Francis on the line from Vacaville. Francis, how are you? Hi, I'm fine. Thanks. Uh, thanks for taking my call, Chad. Um, I have a question about something that I really never really heard addressed um, uh, by you and, and Rob, or even even on other uh, you know uh, radio stations. Um, I'm in my late forties, and uh, uh, I'm gradually approaching. Uh, a million dollars in terms of like retirement savings in uh, like uh, my old step IRA, Roth IRAs, uh, rollover IRAs, and um, and I've been using primarily Vanguard, uh, the, the company. And but you know the scary thing to me is um, having it all in one company, and it's it's really convenient. Uh, I like to go online. I can see all my my assets. But at the same time, you know, you think you think about the uh, the reality of like, uh, well, uh, like uh, those uh, like if something might go wrong with a company, or uh, sure. I, I fall I fall victim to like uh, identity theft, or you you hear of abuses by um, you know mutual fund companies, and I don't think it's ever going to happen to Vanguard, uh, but. You know, or you know, something like uh, uh, Y2000. The computer. You remember what? Before we turned to uh, year 2000, we were afraid com- uh, computers would just crash or things like that. So I'm starting to kind of uh, transfer some money to uh, another company like Fidelity. And so what I'm talking about is diversifying one's um, uh, investment companies or brokerage firms. And, yeah. And, yeah. Uh, yeah, and I'm kind of thinking, you know, by the time I reach 50, I might want to have it 50-50 between sure, sure. Vanguard and Fidelity. So what's uh, gotcha. your thoughts on that? Well, yeah, first of all, um, Vanguard I'm a fan of because I like people to, especially with when they're first starting out, um, and for the first $250,000 is to, you know, basically use index funds and ETFs, that broad bullet shot approach. But when I look to the international side and the small cap side, it's, 
I like to find good managed mutual funds because I don't like indexing in the world of small cap. I don't like indexing in the world of international because, for example, if I look at the EFA ETF, which is the MSCI International Index, it's 20% financials. Do you really want 20% financials in overseas which is with, this, with what's going on right now? So you, you need to diversify out of Vanguard just because, number one, you have over a million dollars. You're well beyond the point where indexing for 100% of your assets makes sense. You're well beyond that. Okay? You okay. need a little bit smarter approach. You also need alternative assets in there, um, things like master limited partnerships in the oil and gas side, funds that are kind of in between stocks and bonds, like buy right funds or funds that do a little bit of hedging. For example, there's funds out there that are – that you know, they'll mirror the S&P 500, they'll sell covered calls to create income and use some of that to buy puts to protect the downside. So you're getting to the point of wealth management where outperforming the market isn't as important as keeping up with the market in the good years and then outperforming it in the bad years. You can't do that with just index funds. Okay. okay? So uh-huh. in terms of your fear of something happening to Vanguard, there's something out there called the SIPC Insurance, Securities Investor Protection Corporation. Now, most of these big funds like Vanguard, they'll insure cash up to 500 grand, right? Okay. Um, Two fifty for the single, I think 500 for a joint account, for example. But in terms of the the company stealing your money or bankrupt or whatever, they they go beyond the normal limits of 500. They go to Lloyd's of London, for example. And so I'm reading right now on Vanguard's site, it looks like they have uh, Lloyd's of London does backup insurance on their SIPC of $250 million per investor. So I'm not okay. worried about it. I mean, if you had $10 million at Vanguard and $10 million at TD Ameritrade, I, it, that's, you're fine in terms of that. Identity theft is a different situation. I would definitely look into identity theft. And make sure that if you're looking to identity theft protection – that you know what happens if your identity is actually stolen because there's the protection side and then there's the going to bat for you side. And the toughest part about identity theft protection isn't recovering the assets or you know getting the insurance on something that you lose. It's the time that it takes to fix the identity and fix the problem. And a lot of times you need an attorney to do it. And most of us and most people that are listening to this show – are working 8 to 12 hours a day, sometimes 14. They don't have time to deal with it. They need an attorney to do it. So if you're going to buy it, uh, I don't want to mention any on the air, but if you're going to buy identity theft protection, oftentimes you can call your own homeowners in policy that you have and see what they have to offer in terms of identity theft protection. Make sure there's somebody that's going to go to bat for you to clean up the mess even after you've got your assets back. So does that help, Francis? Yes, yes. Thank you so much. All right, thanks for the call. If you want to get your calls in there, 800-516-1220. That's 800-516-1220 to get your calls in the air. Again, yeah, if you're looking at international, you got uh, talked about this as well. You've got you know international stocks, Ford P trading at 11 times earnings with a yield of 3.33% versus the S&P 500. That's trading at 14 times next year's earnings, yield of under 2%. Now, is there still pain overseas? Yes. That's why you can still accumulate and have some chances to accumulate. An IMF official is out today saying Greece will need a third bailout. Spain and Italy haven't officially requested a bailout, right? But the OMP, which is the kind of the latest Mario Draghi plan, allows you know, the purchase 
of these shorter term international bond uh, shorter term government bonds to be actually used as currency so how that's all going to play out and whether or not there's been a massive amount of printing of money to get this thing done is still kind of to be seen they are pushing to the right direction germany voted to approve the bailout fund essentially and that was yesterday so today was a big week because we got bernanke talking today at 9 30. Um, right now, if we take a look at the – oh, by the way, if you want that uh, link to that article on the, from Investopedia that's up right now, that's uh, five types of REITs and how to invest in them. If you're wondering what a REIT is, just email me, chat at chadburton.com. If you want to get into the event tonight, it's all about wealth management and retirement planning with Rob Black and myself, Los Gatos, Toll House Hotel, 6 o'clock tonight, just email me, chat at chadburton.com. We take a look at the markets right now. We've got uh, really light volume because everybody's waiting for what Ben Bernanke's going to say. The, the notes are going to be released at 9:30 our time, and then a conference call or a, a press conference at 11:15, I believe. The Nasdaq flat, S&P flat, Dow flat, oil's up one percent. Mm, not a lot going on out there in terms of uh, market movement. Everything's kind of on hold. Um, as I mentioned, though, energy prices up today. Oil prices up another 1%. Now, something that could push energy prices higher, and also we got producer price index numbers today. That's the, you know, what inflation or the production of, of people that produce goods, what are they dealing with? Well, hundreds of demonstrators protesting an anti-Islam video stormed the U.S. Embassy compound in Sanaa. I'm horrible with pronouncing these things, but it's the capital of Yemen. And uh, that's according to news reports. And this is two days after protesters stormed the U.S. Embassy in Cairo and a consulate that killed a U.S. ambassador to Libya. So a lot of unrest overseas, a lot of unrest. And between that and the printing of money in the U.S., looks like oil prices probably pushed higher. That's why I do like energy. I'm going to talk about some uh, sectors I like and some that you need to look to peel some gains from. Coming back after the break, get your calls in there, 800-516-1220. 800-516-1220. Take a quick break and be right back. You're listening to Rob Black and Your Money on AM 1220 KDOW. Welcome back in to Rob Black and Your Money. I'm your host today, Chad Burton, Certified Financial Planner. 19 years in the business. I run a wealth management firm called New Focus Financial. You can find out more about that at newfocusfinancial.com or chadburton.com. Also, if you want to uh, see Rob and I live and in person, we'll be at the Los Gatos Toll House Hotel tonight at 6 o'clock. So if you are... Within 10 years of living off of your portfolio, living off of the wealth that you created, or you're retired and living off of it now, you don't want to miss this because we go through the strategies that you need to know. Which accounts do you draw from first? How do you figure out how much you need? What are some of the costs that you're not thinking of in terms of inflation, taxes, health care costs? All of those things that you know really put you through a boot camp of realizing what it takes to retire these days. And it's tough. We've got a lot of uncertainty out there. We've got a European debt crisis. If the U.S. goes on the same path that it's going on right now, we have a U.S. debt crisis that will occur. I think we can solve it if we get on it right away. But you know, if you look at a chart of interest rates on what seniors were earning on their savings and on their bond funds,
back 12 years ago in the year 2000 of around 6% versus 0% on essentially I mean you're you're at negative 1.5% in terms of inflation on your CDs right now so you have to be a little bit smarter than, you know, 50-50 bond stock or 50-50 CD stock, that kind of a thing. You've got to be careful, and you've got to peel off the gains when they come. The S&P 500 is up 15% or so for the year with the dividend. If you're retired and you have not created three years' worth of your portfolio drawn cash, do it now. Do it now. You have to keep that in mind. Even when you're younger, you always want 3 to 5% of your portfolio in cash to be able to take advantage of opportunities like corrections opportunities that present themselves that are out there. If you're really, really fearful, do you ever go 100% cash? No. That's never paid off over a really a five-year period. Just look at people that went to 100% cash in 2007. They have lost money. They lost out on dividends. The market's recovered and then some. So unless they were 100% financials, right? Let's talk about some sectors. If we go into a growth phase, if we get... A QE3, if we get the fiscal tax cliff dealt with here in this country, we'll probably go into a growth phase, a phase where we can look and drool over small caps, mid caps, emerging markets again. But what about sectors? If we go, go into a growth phase, I still like energy because, let's face it, energy companies, I mean, a lot of the companies that make billions and billions of dollars in oil are becoming more natural gas type of companies, and they pay a nice dividend. And as you print money to solve the debt problems, that's going to cause commodity prices in most, ca most cases to increase. So how do, you, how do you know what sectors you're in? If I'm saying I like energy, I like healthcare, I like technology, if we get a turnaround overseas, I really, really like industrials and materials because it's tied directly to China. Well, how do you know what you're in? Because most of you are investing in your mutual funds and your 401k. Most of you should not be buying individual stocks. We run a stock portfolio, but we keep it from to 20 to 25 positions, and it's a full-time job. We have five certified financial planners. One of them's a CFA as well. Another one's a level one CFA, looking at the portfolios 100% of the day, all day long. And it's a full-time job, so most of you don't have the, the time to buy individual stocks, nor do you have the non-emotional rules to sell if you need to sell or to buy more if an opportunity presents itself. So you should be looking at mutual funds. And if you have built up a portfolio and you don't have a subscription to Morningstar.com, you're crazy. How else are you going to really look at your overall asset allocation? Most people have become closet indexers. They own the S&P 500, so if the S&P 500 falls, you're going to fall slightly more because of the fees that are in your portfolio. So you, you can compare your portfolio. If you punch all of your holdings in the, to Morningstar, and by the way, there's some good articles at Morningstar, especially today. There's ones on you know how do you draw from your portfolio at retirement, what your asset allocation should transition to from a 30 to a 50-year-old. But you've got to look at how much... Your portfolio is in different sectors. For example, in the S&P 500, the top sector is technology. The S&P 500 is the largest 500 companies in America, but it's a weighted average, so the larger companies get more of the weighting. So if you invest in the S&P 500 fund, let's say the Vanguard S&P 500 or, or an ETF is Spider SPY, 18.59% technology, 13.3% financials, only 11.6% in healthcare, 
Consumer discretionary, or I'm sorry, consumer defensive, 12%, and energy, about 11%. I think that's too high in financials. I think it's way too low in healthcare, and I think it's too low in energy, especially if you transition to a growth phase. A lot of healthcare stocks, because of the uncertainty of Obamacare, have presented some opportunities out there and some nice dividend yields. I like technology. A lot of these areas, you can use ETFs and index funds to, to get a nice bullet shot. For example, if you want technology, a good exposure, and you want to own the Apple, you want to own Qualcomm because of the iPhone, all these different tech companies that you hear about, and tech companies are helping companies continue to cut costs, be more, you know, increase their margins, well, you can get a bullet shot through QQQ or XLK. They're pretty similar. XLK is the ETF that I've used, been successful with. Of course, it's, you know, at a high because of Apple is 20%. But also Qualcomm's like three and a half percent. They're very pretty similar in terms of what they hold. XLK does own some Visa. They look at Visa as a tech company. But long story short, you really got to look at your portfolio and say, okay, maybe you've how are you compared to the S&P 500? Maybe you've been overweighting, like I have, and things like consumer staples because of the defensive nature and because of the push, no matter what, in good economies, bad economies. You want that. You know, push. You want that overweighting consumer staples when things are growing slowly or looking like they're having a tough time. But also, a lot of these consumer staple stocks have been pushed to high levels in terms of PE ratios and low levels in terms of what their overall dividend yield is. So, if we do return to a growth phase, you're going to say, "How do I trim my consumer staple exposure and go into the areas that you want in terms of growth phases, whether it's technology, industrials, materials, or even just small cap." Sectors. Well, you've got to be able to look inside your portfolio and say which of my funds have the most weighting in these areas. It's part of managing your portfolio. You want to get your calls in the air? 800-516-1220. That's 800-516-1220. Take a quick break and be right back. Welcome into Rob Black and Your Money. I'm your host today, Chad Burton, Certified Financial Planner. Standing in for Rob today, but tonight Rob and I will be in Los Gatos at the Toll House Hotel. Six o'clock, all about retirement, all about wealth management, how to create your portfolio, how to draw on it, which accounts to go to first, tax-efficient income plans, when to pull gains, all of that today. Tonight, six o'clock, Los Gatos. If you want to sign up, you can go to chadburton.com or robblack.com, but if you want to get into for, for free, just email me right now. Tell me you're listening, chad at chadburton.com, or when you get to work, that's fine. I don't want you texting or emailing while you're driving. Put the phones down. But when you get back to work, chad at chadburton.com. As a uh, certified financial planner in a, in a company called New Focus Financial Group, Wealth management firm in the business for 19 years. So that means any money questions, fair game. If you want to call the show, 800-516-1220. That's 800-516-1220. In a minute, I'm going to talk about where to kind of target your after-tax dollars. So if you've maxed out your 401k, what's next? We're going to talk about that, both how to do it when you're in your you know pre-45 and post-45. Today, the big deal, though, the markets are flat. The Fed policy statement is going to be released at 9.30 our time. We've got... We've got uh, – let's see. What else? We've got the 
Oh, there, 11.15 our time. We're going to have Bernanke's press conference, and there's really little hope that QE3 is going to provide much of a boost to the U.S. economy, but it could push asset prices higher in terms of bonds and stocks if the market gets what it wants, because the market has been traded. If you look at when over the, since the big bottom of the market in 2009, when has the market started its rallies? It's been on the announcements of quantitative easing. How long will it last? Well, then it's up to Congress. It's up to whoever's president to have everybody come together and deal with the fiscal tax cliff that we've dealt with, that we have to deal with. And the issue is, is that 75% chance we're going to have a divided government no matter who's elected in November. So we still got some uh, issues to work through for, for the end of the year. But we did get Germany voting this week that it's okay. Um, if they, they passed the German federal constitutional court rule that Chancellor Angela Merkel can sign the bill into law that will create the mechanisms to support the euro. So they've, they basically gave the okay to the Europe, European stability mechanism. Um, the other issue out there today, of course, it's just a continued unrest in the Middle East. Not only have we had the U.S. ambassador to Libya killed, we had the U.S. embassy in Cairo on attack, and today, or this morning, we got news reports that... Uh, the U.S. Embassy in Yemen under attack as well. So let's go to talk about some of the issues. And by the way, if you have a money question, get your calls in there, 800-516-1220. That's 800-516-1220. Let's go to talk about what do you do with your after-tax dollars. Okay, first of all, I'll talk about Roth IRAs in a minute, because obviously if you're eligible for a Roth IRA, you want to do that. But what if you've maxed out all of your retirement account options? What, where should you put your money? Well, if you're, af, you're investing and you're before the age of 45 to 50, where you want to focus your after-tax investment dollars is heavy into index funds and ETFs with less than 25% annual turnover. So what does that mean? Well, if you look at large-cap and mid-cap funds and often something like a total international stock index, the turnover is less than 25%. That means 75% of the stocks that are in the fund at the beginning of the year are in it at the end of the year. It's, it's more of a longer-term buy-and-hold strategy, which means less internal taxes. Just because you buy an index fund or ETF does not mean you're going to have capital gains taxes. You're still going to have some capital gains taxes that get distributed to you in the form of a, a distribution before the end of the year. Now, in a mutual fund, in a managed mutual fund, you can actually end up buying other people's capital gains. So that's why with your after-tax dollars, that's where you concentrate in your index funds and ETFs in the large cap area, which means like the S&P 500 or the total stock market index. It's fine to have some total international stock market index, and it's fine to have some mid-cap indexes. But when you get all the way to the small cap area, which is really attractive when you have a U.S. growing economy, because that's where most of our jobs are created, when the economy's firing on all cylinders. Even a small cap index has over 30% turnover ratio. If you look at a Vanguard VBR, for example, I think it's like a 33% turnover. So 
That means the more turnover you have, the more potential capital gains taxes you could pay on it. You want your after-tax dollars to be the most tax-efficient. And then the other asset classes that you own, which means the majority of your small cap, your commodities exposure, your REIT or real estate investment trust exposure, your bonds, that should be in your retirement accounts. So oddly enough, you want sometimes your retirement accounts end up more conservative. Even though you're not going to touch them until you're 59 and a half, they end up more conservative because that's where you're going after the dividends. When you're living off of your paycheck, you don't want to be paying taxes on the income of your portfolio. So you shelter most of your income in your retirement accounts, and you get most of your capital growth, the growth in the share price, in your after-tax accounts. Now, when you're over 50, you need to uh, start accumulating tax-free bonds and cash as well. So when you're, when you're over 50, you have to realize that by the time you get to retirement, you want to have at least three years' worth of your portfolio draws in cash. So that means if you need 150 grand a year to pay all your expenses, to pay Uncle Sam, to pay your health care costs, all of that stuff, and let's say you're getting 50 from Social Security and pensions, you're going to be drawing 100 grand a year from your portfolio. That means you need $300,000 in cash by the time you get to retirement. And the rest of your portfolio besides that should be a very balanced portfolio between stocks and bonds. Uh, that includes international, alternatives, all that kind of stuff. So you want to make sure that you get to that point. So if you're over 50, you need to also come up with a plan where you're accumulating tax-free bonds in your after-tax accounts, cash, and even I-bonds can be looked at. If you want to learn more about I-bonds, it's considered one of the safest investments in the world. If you're doing some paper form and some online form, you can get up to about $15,000 a year worth of the I-bonds. There's two rates. There's the base rate and there's the inflation rate. Right now, the base rate is about next to nothing, but the inflation rate is 2.2%. So you can have extremely safe money insured by the government. If inflation goes up, your interest rates will go up. So in other words, if you think that there's going to be a lot of money printing out there and inflation will eventually rise, interest rate on your I-bonds will increase every six months if inflation is there. And they grow tax-deferred, and when you cash them in, they're not taxed at the state level. So people in Seattle, not a big issue because there's no state income tax there. People in California, that means 9% of your return. So you can accumulate some I-bonds as well. So that's the difference. When you're in your you know, pre-45, pre you, you, you pretty much go equity-based, right? You don't need a lot of bonds, especially at historical lows. But when you're over age 50... The safer stuff that you're accumulating in your after-tax accounts is tax-free bonds, I-bonds, and cash. Target your portfolio transition so that 10 years away from retirement, you have a slow transition into a retirement portfolio so that your portfolio looks like five years from retirement the way it's supposed to look the day you retire. If you want to get your calls in the air, 800-516-1220. We'll be right back. KDOW traffic. This area update is brought. You're listening to Rob Black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW. 
Welcome into Rob Black and Your Money. I'm your host today, Chad Burton, certified financial planner as a CFP. I'm trained in taxes, insurance, retirement planning, estate planning, and investing. 19 years in the business on a wealth management firm called New Focus Financial. You can find out more about that at newfocusfinancial.com. It also means that any money question, fair game. If you want to get your calls in the air, ask a money question, 800-516-1220. That's 800-516-1220. And filling in for Rob today, but tonight, both Rob and I will be in Los Gatos, the Toe House Hotel, retirement planning, wealth management, boot camp, everything you need to know if you're going to start living off of your portfolio. The right way to set it up, the right way to rebalance. Again, if you want to get your calls in there, 800-516-1220. If you want to get into the event for free, just email me, chad at chadburton.com. That's chad at chadburton.com. Well, really, in terms of the market, markets are relatively flat, waiting for the release of Ben Bernanke's notes today regarding quantitative easing or QE3. That's at 9.30 our time, and then he's going to do a press conference at 11.15, it looks like. We're talking a little bit about asset location. So it's talking about what you do with your after-tax dollars if you've maxed out all of your retirement accounts. When you're asset allocating, you've got to pay attention to asset location. Your after-tax accounts need to be more tax-efficient, and the stuff that kicks off dividends and constant interest payments or high, anything high yield should be in your retirement accounts. Anything with a lot of turnover or odd taxation. For example, a GLD, taxed in an odd way, should be in your retirement accounts if you're holding something like gold. Master limited partnerships, if you're buying those, those are oil companies. Basically, they, they charge a toll, shipping oil and gas through their pipelines. If you need income in retirement, great to hold in a taxable account. Kind of a tax headache, though, with the K-1s that they issue. But if you don't need the income, have them in your retirement accounts. You've got to think that way. Where, where should each go? But no matter what, you should be thinking about a Roth IRA. You should fund a Roth IRA whenever you're eligible to do so. If you're a high-income earner, you're paying over 25% marginal taxes, state and federal, then max out your pre-tax 401k first. Then after that, look to fund a Roth because you can always take your contributions back out tax-free. So if something happens, you can get your contributions out without any penalties. There's certain ways to use it to get the money out to pay for education without penalties, for example. You can learn more about it. Just Google what a, you know, what a Roth IRA is. But you've got to look at doing a Roth IRA. Now, the limits are $5,000 a year if you're under 50, or if you're going to be 50 or older by the end of the year, it's $6,000. you got until April 15th of next year to fund it. Even if you file an extension, you have to be funding your IRA accounts by the April 15th. So keep that in mind. Now, if you're single and your modified adjusted gross income is under $110,000, you're fine. You can do a Roth IRA. If you're married and your modified adjusted gross income is under $173,000, you're fine. You can do a 100% contribution to a Roth IRA. If you go over that, those limits, you might have to do what's called a backdoor Roth IRA. This is especially great for people that don't have large IRA accounts. Because if you don't have any large IRA accounts, you can fund a non-deductible IRA. You put in after-tax dollars into an IRA, normal IRA account. Just open up an IRA account at a mutual fund or brokerage firm. Of course, hopefully you're doing no-load funds or ETFs. Put the money in, you file a form 8606 showing the government on your tax return that it was an after-tax contribution of 5000 or 6000 if you're over 50. And then you turn around and immediately convert it to a Roth IRA. And because you've already paid taxes on the money, there's no tax consequences when you convert it if you don't have any large IRAs. 
There's no income limits now to convert an IRA to a Roth IRA. That went away two years ago. So it just it's a backdoor way to do it. You can still do it if you're a high income earner. You just got to take it in two steps. Now, the catch comes if you have large IRAs. It's not a tax-free conversion. They calculate the basis among all your IRAs. So in other words, if you're converting 10% of your account, your IRA, total IRA accounts to a Roth, then 10% of your basis can be used, so a lot of it's still going to be taxable. It still makes sense in many cases to do that as long as you have cash on the sidelines to pay the tax. Okay, so once you convert an IRA to a Roth, when you're at a 25% or less bracket, when you've got a lot of cash on the sidelines, when you're well on track for retirement, you've got plenty of money saved up, or if you're an older person, you have a large IRA, and you're being forced to take minimum credit distributions, and you know you're just going to leave it to your heirs, you don't need the money, and you've got a lot of cash to pay the taxes, and you're doing it for estate planning, then go ahead and convert your IRA to a Roth. Seattle listeners, that makes a lot of sense without the state income tax. California listeners, you've got to do a little bit more number crunching to see if it's really worth it because of that California tax. Keep in mind a couple things. If you're going to do this, you might want to do it this year. Next year, tax brackets will probably go up, and it can add to your modified adjusted gross income, which means some of your capital gains and other dividends and things like that could get taxed with that extra 3.8% surcharge tax that's coming to high-income earners next year as a result of the fiscal tax cliff. Also, if you do convert an IRA to a Roth and end up paying taxes on it, you have until October 15th of the following year to reverse that out, to back it out. So because the market's at a high, and if things don't go well next year, if the market tanks, you don't want to have paid, let's say you do a $100,000 conversion and it's worth seventy, and you're paying taxes on a hundred. that doesn't make any sense. So you can recharacterize it by October 15th of the next year and back out your tax problem, and then just redo it the following year. So I mean, you've got to have, if you're at the point where you're managing wealth, you're over $500,000, and you're at the point where, you know what, beating the market, it's more an issue of keeping up with the market in the good times and beating it in the bad times, not making mistakes, paying the least amount of taxes possible, creating the right types of accounts in retirement. Because when you retire, you want to have your, your cash, you want to have your pre-tax accounts, your after-tax accounts, your tax-free accounts like Ross. It's very important to kind of have all of that working together so that you can control your tax bracket in retirement. That's very important to control your tax bracket in retirement. And you need to make sure that you're working with a good fee-based fiduciary financial planner, not somebody that's selling you product, not somebody that's selling you house mutual funds or wrap accounts that you know have double kickbacks in it, fixed annuities, loaded annuities, all that's garbage. It's, it's garbage. You've got to work with a certified financial planner that's a fiduciary and they're fee-based, okay? But, and you also have to make sure that that person can communicate with your other professionals like your CPA so that you can run models. Is it a good idea to convert the Roth? What's it look like if I sell my stock options this year or next year? You've got to have them all working together. You need to build a team if you're building wealth. If you want to get your calls in the air, 800-516-1220. That's 800-516-1220. In terms of creating a tax-efficient withdrawal plan, I'm going to talk about that next segment. Which accounts do you draw from first as you start drawing on your portfolio? Should you hold off on your IRAs or should you take them now? 
We'll answer that question after the break, and I'll answer that tonight as well. I'm going to be with Rob Black himself in Las Gatos at the Toll House Hotel, 6 o'clock, all about wealth management and retirement planning. Usually have to pay to get in, but if you're listening to the show as I'm filling in for Rob today, I'll put you on the list for free if you email me. Tell me you were listening. Chad at ChadBurton.com. That's Chad at ChadBurton.com. You can find me a couple places, NewFocusFinancial.com, ChadBurton.com. Don't bother looking me up on Facebook because I'm having somebody actually fix the Facebook page. I haven't really used it, the company yet, but you can find me there, I guess. Get your calls in there, 800-516-1220. That's 800-516-1220. We'll be right back. Welcome into Rob Black and Your Money. I'm your host today, Chad Burton, Certified Financial Planner. That means with any money question, you can call the show, 800-516-1220. That's 800-516-1220. Anything from asset allocation to estate planning, it's all fair game. 800-516-1220. Be with Rob Black tonight at the Toll House Hotel in Los Gatos, 6 to 9 o'clock. A little wine, a little hors d'oeuvres to be served. Rob will give out some market notes, things like that. And I'll talk all about how to set up your portfolio. I want to get your calls in there, 800-516-1220, and that's 800-516-1220. So which accounts do you draw from first in retirement? A lot of people, the general mistake that people make is they draw down all their cash first. Now, as you get to retirement, well prior to that, you need to calculate how much of your portfolio you're going to be drawing. You've got to calculate your expenses. You've got to add in what your tax bill is going to be. And I tell you what, the person that's retiring with a ton of money in IRAs and 401ks is going to pay more taxes than the person that's retiring with IRAs, 401ks, Roth IRAs, after-tax dollars, and cash. So you've got to know, just because you're retiring with that amount of money in 401ks doesn't mean it's bad. It just means that's where your savings was funneled. But you might be paying more taxes than your neighbor. So you have to be able to calculate what that is. Once that all goes into play, you've got to add in your health care costs. The average person in retirement between Medicare Part B, supplemental insurance, prescription drugs, and long-term care insurance pays somewhere between five dollars to $700 a month on average in health care costs. So then you've got to say, okay, these are all of my expenses, including Uncle Sam. Here's what I'm getting from Social Security. Here's what I'm getting from my real estate income. How much do I need for my portfolio every year? Three years of that needs to be in cash. If you're close to retirement within five years or in retirement, you don't have three years' worth of portfolio draws in cash, you're crazy. You might not make it through the next significant market correction like we had from 2007 to the bottom of 2009. Because if you're drawing on the way down, you can't recover. Then you've got to decide which accounts do you draw from first. And again, a lot of people say, I'm going to spend my cash first. Obviously, you can take the dividends and interest from your taxable portfolio to replenish your cash, but then what? You need to look to your IRAs first. Even if you're retiring early at 55, you're allowed to draw on your 401k without a penalty at 55, and you can do a 72T account if you're in an IRA and get figure out ways to pull money out of your IRA without paying that 10% penalty. You need to look to your IRAs first because the stuff in your IRAs is kicking off dividends and interest. And a lot of people put it off until they're forced to. At age 70 and a half, you're forced to pull money out of your IRAs and 401ks whether or not you want to. That includes 403Bs if you're a teacher or a nurse. You have to do it. So a lot of people let their retirement accounts grow and grow and grow, and they spend all their after-tax dollars. And then at age 70 and a half, they lose all control of their tax brackets. All they have left is their retirement account. So if they need 
$25,000 to put a new roof on their house, if they need twenty-five to 50000 to buy a new car, you got to pull out twice that much because you got to pay so much in taxes. So what you need to do in retirement is have a real good handle on what your tax return is going to look like. This means running projections. This means looking at your taxable portfolios and assuming how much is going to get kicked off in dividends and interest and be taxed, how much turnover you're going to have and how much that's going to be taxed at, how is your Social Security taxed? For most people with a successful retirement, 85% of your Social Security is going to be taxed as ordinary income. But you're going to be at a certain marginal tax bracket. Certain marginal tax bracket. Now, the way that the tax brackets work is that you can take an amount out of your pensions and everything else to so that if the first about fourteen to sixteen thousand that you make as a married couple filing jointly is tax free. But if you have higher itemized deductions, some people can take about the first twenty or thirty thousand taxable income out without paying taxes because their itemized deductions offset it. Then as a married couple filing jointly, you can take a whole seventy thousand dollars more of income and still be at the fifteen percent federal bracket. So that means if you're automatically having taxable income of fifty grand from all your dividends, interest, Social Security, pension, everything else, there's another $20,000 left at that marginal bracket that you should be pulling from your IRAs because you're going to be higher later in life if you don't. Your tax problem will just grow. And if you don't need the money, convert that amount to a Roth IRA. So you should actually be looking towards your IRAs to supplement your income immediately, to max out that marginal bracket and or look at converting money from a regular IRA to a Roth. Don't make that mistake of putting it off. Because I tell you what, the other issue is if you're a wealthy person, the worst asset to leave your heirs is the assets that have not yet been taxed. That includes tax-deferred annuities and IRAs. Because oftentimes your kids are going to be at a higher tax bracket than you. They're still working. Now, if you pass away and you've named the beneficiaries the right way, your kids can roll it into an inherited IRA and continue the tax deferral over their lifetime. They still have to take a little bit out each year based on their life expectancy. Roth IRA, they get that money. They can roll it into an inherited Roth IRA tax-free for the rest of their life. Tax-free. If you want to get your calls in there, 800-516-1220. That's 800-516-1220. Seattle listeners, if you're up there listening, love to take a money question from Seattle. I haven't heard from somebody from Seattle yet, I don't think, since I've covered with Rob. And again, Rob and I will be at uh, in California at the Los Gatos Hotel, at the Toll House Hotel in Los Gatos, California, rather, 6 to 9 o'clock. If you want to get in for free, if you're listening today, I'll put you on the list for free, chat at chadburton.com. That's chat at chadburton.com, everything you need to know. Go over the kind of the stuff that I've been talking about today in terms of asset location, tax, favored income planning when you're trying to plan for your retirement income, how to kill gains, how to create that three years worth of safe money, and then how you rebalance your portfolio. How do you take the how and when do you take the house money off the table? When the market's up or the market's down, obviously when the market's up. So you've got to replenish your cash because that's what you're spending all the time. If you want to get your calls in there, 800-516-1220. That's 800-516-1220. Let's talk about some online calculators real quick. Now, some of the basic 
some of the decent online calculators that I've seen. There's one called ESP Planner Basic. There's a good one at trowprice.com. That's T-R-O-W-E price.com. It's a group of no-load mutual funds. ARPS got a fairly decent retirement income calculator. And CNN Money, believe it or not, I don't like CNN, but CNNMoney.com actually has a fairly decent retirement calculator. So when is a retirement calculator okay? Well, when you're trying to figure out the basics on how much you should be saving and you're in your 20s and 30s and early 40s, then it can give you a basic idea. I mean, the whole idea is get the 15 to 20% of your pay putting away from retirement, your 30s and 40s, and you should be okay. If you start by saving 10 to 15% of your pay and you have an employer match when you're in your 20s and 30s, you're probably going to be okay. So the retirement calculators are fine, but here's the issue. They are not okay if you're 10 years from retirement, even 15 years from retirement, because none of them that I see out there do a decent job of calculating the taxes. Like I mentioned, a person that retires with a bulk of their money in a 401k that's pre-tax versus some after-tax and some pre-tax pays a very different tax bracket. And none of these online calculators that I see that are for free do a good job in estimating what your taxes are. We've got people in Seattle listening. They pay sales tax, but they don't pay a state income tax. Will they hit AMT, alternative minimum tax? California has a state income tax and a sales tax. How is that going to affect you? By the way, people in California, if you continue to hold a mortgage in retirement and, buy, and you've bought long-term care, those deductions carry forward right onto your California return, and you end up paying less in taxes at the California level. So how does that all work out? The online calculators are not good enough to make that decision. I mean, we are at an inflection point in the world right now in terms of deleveraging. Overseas, they're at that inflection point right now. In the U.S., we got until 2014 or 15, depending on what Bernanke says today, before we can run into a debt crunch based on all the money that we've printed and all the bonds that the Federal Reserve and China has bought. So it's a scary time to retire. Interest rates have been cut by more than 50% since 2006. So retirees can't make money on just sitting in bonds and CDs anymore. So if you use an online calculator to make that determination of whether or not you should go ahead and walk into the boss and say, take this job and shove it, you're crazy. You're crazy. There's so many issues. You've got – if you retire at 65, you're probably going to live till you're 100 because of medical advances. So that means the dollar is going to be cut in half twice. The dollar's cut in half every 18 years because of inflation. Have you projected the inflation the right way in your portfolio? Did these online calculators do it? Not very well. Some of your costs will be flat in retirement. Your health care costs will go up at 5 to 6%. Your vacations, probably more expensive between the ages of 65 and 80. Then after that, you're not going to be taking as many vacations. So you have these alternating expenses in your financial plan. Have you budgeted for a new car every 10 years? Have you budgeted for a remodel every 10 to 15 years? The type of things that people just tend to do that... Man, if you're retiring and you're 65 and you're living off of 5% of your more of your portfolio, you're probably going to run into problems. Don't pull the trigger too early. Maybe you hate the job that you have now, but maybe it's a plan B type of planning where it's, I can't do this job anymore, but I can do a more fulfilling job that I do for another 5 or 10 years in order to supplement your retirement income. And be healthier as well. 
because the healthier you are in retirement, the lower your budget's going to be because of the health care costs. So that means eat healthy. There's been a lot of articles that I've seen lately about retirees eating healthier, which it's expensive to eat organic, right? So a lot of people are having fun planting their own stuff, even in the city, city-type gardens, and growing their own food, which can also save you money. So it's little plan Bs like that. What state are you going to move to? There's not as many taxes. You're going to sell your home. You're going to take a reverse mortgage. Think about all that. It's important. 800-516-1220. That's 800-516-1220. You can find me at chatburton.com or newfocusfinancial.com. We'll take a quick break. Be right back. AM 1220 KDOW traffic. I want to get your calls on the air. 800-516-1220. That's 800 800- 516-1220. Right now, let's go to the phones. We've got, uh, who is it? I already forgot. Somebody's on the line with us. What's your name, caller? Hi, Chad. Mike McFadden. Great show today. Thank you. Quick question. I really appreciated your discussion of asset location and your comments about the financial models that one uses to predict whether or not you'll do okay in retirement. And unfortunately, your discussion has made me less uh, less sure of, of my, my calculations given the fact that you have to take in all the different tax co- uh, complications of where you've located your, your assets. So my question is, is that something you get from a financial planner? Uh, do they have models that have that? Or do I sit down and really start cranking out a heck of a spreadsheet to try and figure that out? And How old are you? Question. How old are you? 47. Yeah, you're at the age where it's pretty important to have a pretty detailed calculation because to give you an example, let me give you a statistic that might scare you a little bit. And one of the ways that you could do this if you're younger and you're just trying to be more conservative is use conservative growth rates anywhere from 55 to 6.5% if you're super aggressive. But Morningstar's put out many reports and says the average investor loses 15% of their return each year to taxes. So if you're trying to do it at a uh, you know, bird's eye level when you're younger, you just knock down your projected growth rates to make up for the taxes. But to give an example, like if I have somebody that's in one of our stock portfolios, our financial planning software goes down to the detail level of when we assume a certain rate of return, what percentage of that return is going to come from qualified dividends, right? right. Also, my software is going to – you know, I assume that unless the law changes that we're going to sunset and go back to the worst tax brackets. But I know that of whatever rate of return that I'm assuming in the stock portfolio, 26% of that return is going to come from dividends. 1% is going to come from investment income subject to ordinary tax. 73% of it is going to probably come from capital gains, and I'm going to turn over probably 15 to 25% of the account each year. Now, in our balanced portfolios that have some tax-free bonds, I have an even more detailed approach to how much is dividends growth, tax-free, taxable, things like that. So each account gets its own realization mode in terms of, of whatever return we're projecting, how much of it's going to be taxed at the different types of tax brackets, whether it's capital gains, short-term, long-term, uh, qualified dividends, and things like that. And then you always have to assume the worst-case scenario in your projections in terms of taxes. So if you're going off basic tax brackets right now, things could change and will change. Things have to change. I mean, don't you agree? Don't you think that to get out of this debt problem, we first have to concentrate on growth and job creation? And eventually we will have to pay a little bit more in taxes to get out of this problem that we've solved or that we've created? I mean, do you agree? 
I absolutely agree, and I was really upset that we didn't have a tax to pay for the wars in Afghanistan and Iraq, where, like my grandparents paid for their wars. And we finally finished paying that tax for the, uh, was it the uh, Spanish-American War when they took off the taxes on the telephone. So I have, a, yeah, I, have, I share, your, share your views completely. Yeah, and one of the things that we talk about, I've got an event coming up with Michelle Lerman um, on estate taxes and some huge opportunities that wealthy people have on in terms of estate tax. But the estate tax was was created to fund the very first main war that this country had, right? How many years ago was that? No, 100 and what? What's <laughs> When did we break free um, and become our own sovereign nation? That's what the estate tax has developed. And the problem with that type of situation is a lot of those taxes end up not going away because the government gets used to spending that money and then they can't give up on it. So you know, I think we should freeze budgets and concentrate on job growth for the next five years, and then eventually redo this current tax system that we have. But did you have any other specific retirement questions? Yes. If, if I have three 529s I started when my children were first four in their ages, four and, uh, four and five and six, something like that, like I should know. Um, if they don't go to college, can I transfer the 529 money to my retirement? How does that work? No, you can't. What you would do is you would then change the beneficiary to yourself or your wife. Um, If you guys don't use it for education, what would happen is that any of the gains over and above the contributions that you would make, if you pull it out to pay for something other than education, it would be taxed as ordinary income and then a 10% penalty, but that's just on the gains only. So what you could do is also just, um, you know, leave the child as the beneficiary, and if they ever have children, you could just name the grandchildren on it and use it for their education. I'll see but if you tonight at the Toll House. Uh, say that again? I'll see you tonight at the Toll House. You, you gave me a couple tickets. I appreciate that. Thank you. A little bit. But yes, uh, so Rob Black and myself will be at in Los Gatos, California, the Toll House Hotel, 6 o'clock tonight talking all about retirement planning, wealth management, how to create portfolios, how to draw on portfolios, how to rebalance, when to take the gains, what I'm looking at in terms of international investments versus domestic investments. Where's the growth in the long run? You invest. (laughs) Really, right now, it's a matter of you invest the most where the the country's printing the most money. (laughs) Unfortunately, the situation that we're in. In the long run, you want to invest where the middle class is growing. So you have to focus on companies that have very globally diversified revenue exposure. And there's a lot of companies that are based in Germany and Europe or capitalize on on the growth in China that have sold off 30-40% and are trading at P ratios of 8 and 9 with dividend yields of 3 and 4 that are just being hammered because of what's going on in Europe. And sometimes there is a separation between what's going on at the macroeconomic level and what's going on at a corporate level. Companies can still make money in good economies and bad economies. So I just have this fear that you all are looking at your 401ks right now and you're trying to make the investment choices as you sign up and you're looking at emerging markets and international funds saying, well, we've done horribly this last year. I'm going to put all my money in the S&P 500. That's the opposite way that you should really invest. You look at the 10-year track record, you diversify, you buy more of the stuff that's been down because every three years, things rotate. If you want to get your calls on the air, 800-516-1220, 800-516-1220. We'll be right back. W.biz to learn more. That's kdow.biz. 
three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.